Welcome to season two of the Pines and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. This show understands that there is quite a bit of diversity amongst the body of Christ. So we operate according to the motto that certain things are fixed, like the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. What's going on, beer lovers? What's up, friends? How we doing? Well, Cohen, I could use a beer. I don't know about you. I mean, I'm excited to drink a beer. Yeah. Sounds like a fun thing to do right now, doesn't it? Let's do it. Tell me about yours. So, so to be fair, Clayton must be kind of excited about this because yeah. he picked it out before he gave me an opportunity. He made sure to get first dibs tonight, okay? Which, that's not really how we roll. We usually go in some kind of equitable position. Well, that's nah, just, Clayton was like exploitative. He's like, I'm going to go ahead and claim mine. That is just not true. Because when we go to HEB and pick out beer, we're like, hey, is this something that you would be interested in? It's not like a... Um, oh, this seems cool, oh, this seems cool, and then we talk about it beforehand. It's almost kind of preset who's going to drink what. That That is just not how I view that at that all. That is just not. <laughs> then you're viewing that wrong. <laughs> Here we go. If you didn't check it out, you should check out yesterday's podcast about having the only voice and it being the only right way to view a situation. That was kind of the joke. That was Professor Clayton. That was kind of the joke. Either way, I have the organic SD West Coast IPA um, from Protector Brewery, Um, and it says, "At Protector, we strive to produce the best quality organic craft beer for our customers. Our San Diego West Coast IPA is the example of excellence. The juicy hops." And clean tropical yeast combinations crank out aromas and flavors of passion fruit, berry, pine, citrus, bubblegum, tangerine, papaya, rose, blossom, grapefruit, melon, lime, and gooseberry. When you take the first sip, the hop burn and bitterness hits hard um, and fast, but mellows into a delicious finish. Everything about this beer is bold, but within balance, which leaves you wanting more enjoy um it's citrus simcoe and mosaic um and it's six percent abv 60 60 ibus um and it is a veteran owned business interesting yep it sounds good yeah i'm excited i have the hazio by dogfish head brewing company love it Dogfish Head, if you didn't know, is the brewer of my favorite all-time beer, the 120-minute IPA from Dogfish Head Brewing. Um, it means it's a double boil. A normal boil is 60 minutes, one hour. Dogfish Head also has a 60-minute IPA. They also have a 90-minute IPA. This is the 120-minute IPA. That's my favorite. It only comes out twice a year. It's seasonal. All come from Dogfish Head. All are amazing. Yep. The Hazy O IPA. It says, Our oh-so-juicy hazy IPA, brewed with malted, rolled, naked oats, Mm -hmm. and oat malts. That's going to be fun. It's 7.1 ABV. 
Yeah. And yes, it will be fun. That is going to be a lot of fun. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, man. Interesting. Ooh. Standard West Coast. Mine's money. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. 8-1. Easy. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's money. Um, Yeah, that's like, yeah, that's real money. Yeah. It is, you know how the malt gets lost in a lot of hazies? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That is absolutely not the case. Really? That is absolutely not the case. It is so full-bodied for a hazy. And but like the hops still ring true throughout the whole palate, mm -hmm. but the malt is right there with it. it. Is so well balanced for a hazy. It's money. Love it. Mm. That might um. That might have taken um a step up over like um. The art car is being like my go-to all around. Really, IPA. Yeah, that is really good. Um, cool. Love that. Mine's a standard West Coast. There's not much going on with it. Um, it is good for what it is. So I'm gonna give it an average score like a six five. Um, it is what it is, and yeah. it's doing it well. Okay. Cool. 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 Okay. So. Let's do a wrap-up on Salvation. We, If we were going to continue to follow Engaging, we would be having a conversation about divine and human agency. That's basically the conversation we've already had mm -hmm. in some of our earlier episodes uh, on Soteriology in that Soteriology series. You can go check those out. And so what I wanted to do tonight, I put it out on my Instagram. If you don't follow me, at Pastor Cullen, I have a... Um, a community there that is 100% independent. It's just me. Uh, it's not necessarily tied to Wellhouse, but obviously I talk about everything that I'm involved in. And I put it out on my stories uh, asking uh, if anyone had any questions about salvation because I wanted to have like a, a commonly asked questions about salvation episode because in the back of each of these chapters... Ben and Randy have some, like, thought-provoking, like, further consideration kind of things. Um, and they asked some questions, and it made me start thinking about what are some common questions that someone might have about salvation. And I want to start with one that I think is big. I keep having this conversation with people, but I recently had this conversation with an individual on Instagram. What are we saved from? Yeah. What are we saved from? Are we saved from sin? Are we saved from ourselves? Are we saved from death? The answer that we would give you is saved from death. Yeah, and why would we give that answer? Because of Genesis. Okay, why? 
Um, the, the reason that I always give is that death was never in God's original design in his original intention. Um, because humanity went a direction that was against God or not in pursuit of God, um, it introduced death. Um, which is contrary to the eternal life peace that is God. The life that is eternal peace that is God. Yeah. Death is... Sin is the vehicle that gets you to death. Right. But death was mentioned as a problem in the story before sin was. Death was mentioned long before sin if was. If you eat of this, you will surely you die. You will surely die. Correct. Yep. Same team. And so if there's a problem to be saved from, it's death. Yeah. And so why do I always remind everyone that it's actually not about the cross, that it's actually about the resurrection? Because if the antagonist is death... then your hero can't die and remain dead. Yeah. They can't offer life if they didn't conquer death. And so, like, everything points to... Now, once again, sin is a huge part of it, right? Sin is the vehicle that gets you to death. And that's why sin is a part of it. That's why you need the cross. The cross is the moment where Jesus takes on the sin, mm-hmm. where... God themselves have found a way to fix the problem we created on their own. Correct. Remember, sin, the, so help me in the pronunciation of the, the, the Greek word for sin. Hamartia. Huh? Hamartia. Thank you. Um, that word literally just means missing the mark. Yeah. Like it, it's just, it is not quite godness. It's like it's like if you were gonna like set a like a measuring stick, mm. and you like set a mark. Mm-hmm. Sin is like just not quite. It's not getting there. It is just quite not godness, right? Like, well, I don't know. It it's not. It's not really. It's not that lackadaisical, right? But it is like you just didn't quite get there. Yeah, you didn't like you just didn't do what you, was expected. You still got of you. work to do. Yeah, you didn't do what was expected of you. Um, which isn't like a that that's why we should not talk about it as the enemy, as the opposite, as the thing that we are trying to fight. Right. It's, um, we are fighting against death. Because death is the thing that is directly contrary to God. Which it's, is life. Right. Sin is the word that we use for the things that you do that are not quite like God. Correct. That. So you're not being saved from sin. Mm. You're being saved from death. Right. You're being offered eternal life. Right. So that's primary, like, point number one. Question number two that I think we should ask is what is salvation? First and foremost, 
Salvation is an eschatological term. And what that means is that is a word that has a determination upon your afterlife, not your present life. Living today according to the, as the common lingo, I am saved, is to actually, excuse me, is to actually be living according to the promise of salvation. Right. It's not to be saved. It is to be hopeful of a promise of salvation, which is eternal life. Sure. First and foremost. And so, in that construct... Now, there are effects of salvation for the present life. Experience of the, of the divine, you know, community, all of those things. There are effects of salvation here. But salvation itself is an eschatological term speaking about a status of your afterlife. If salvation is that, then we can also answer another common question. Which is, can you lose your salvation? Right. What do you think, Clayton? So, non-primary issue here. Um, Don't really have a stance. Um, But I will say that I see very good arguments on both sides. Um, and you could, depending on how you read scripture, you could go either way. It depends on which text you want to give most voice to. Exactly. Um, and so I think that there is probably an in-between of which you can come to, come away from, and then come back to faith. Um, in this kind of like growth deconstruction type metaphor. Um, so whether or not you lose your salvation in this motion, probably not. But also, I could see where you could. So, kind of a long non-answer. A very long and very non-answer. Um, my answer. My answer to the question. No. You cannot lose your salvation. However... I agree with you that there are places to read it both ways. The way in which I think it should be read is that if salvation is a strictly eschatological term that speaks to the status of your afterlife, if you are saved, you cannot lose that status because what happens in eternity is fixed in eternity. Ooh, that's a fair point. However... I do believe that you can lose your 
you can choose to stop living your life according to the promise of salvation, which is what those texts refer to as losing salvation. But to actually lose said salvation of eternal life is impossible because in order to experience salvation, you have to have already been in salvation. So no, salva- because salvation is only an eschatological term. It does not matter until the afterlife. Correct. And so if you are saved, you cannot lose that salvation because you've already been sealed in eternity. You're already in eternity in your afterlife. You understand? Yes, but I have. Like, What's your qualm? I, I, I don't know if I got qualms necessarily, but when you say that, what happens in eternity stays in eternity. Therefore, those who are saved are picked in eternity. What do you mean? It's not, it no longer becomes a us thing. If it happens in eternity, it has always been a thing and always will be a thing. Oh, no, because it presupposes that eternity exists right now. Okay. You, in order to do that, you would have to, well, let me say, eternity does exist right now because God exists in eternity. Eternity is a state of time, not everlasting time. Correct salvation, eternal life, Mm -hmm. that existence within eternity does not have to be taking place right now. You can have soul sleep. Sure. If you have soul sleep, then you don't don't have the qualm you have. But mm, I don't actually know if that's true. Because if eternity is a thing that it is a state of time, that means... That the future, what what is to come of the church, Jesus coming back, restoring heaven on earth, that is happening now, but also not now. Yeah. Right? So Yeah, the already not yet. The yeah. already not yet. But wouldn't that also speak to the element that is... If that is already not yet, that is something that is happening, but also not currently happening. The people who are there. There's nobody there. You're overlapping eternity and time. Eternity is not everlasting time. It's not never ending time. It is a state of existence. Mm. It's not forever ongoing like an endless calendar. It is always 12 January 1 it never leaves that time and so anything that happens in that time like Satan and a third of the angels rebelling against God right why can't they experience forgiveness Clayton because Because they need time they need time time is grace you can't lay eternity next to the future of current time and correlate those one to one they are not on the same plane Jafil? Yes and no. You got qualms that we'll talk about off camera because I got one more question we, we need to have. The final question that was presented on my Instagram that I want to give voice to because if you were going to place Wellhouse Church in a category, 
What I would tell you is, as the lead and founding pastor of Wellhouse Church, what I would tell you is, Wellhouse Church wants to be a place for those who have been hurt by the church to safely deconstruct the ways in which they were hurt by the church and to give voice to those people in order to make the pl- the church a place of healing for those people. Yeah. One of the questions, and so because of that, as I've always said, I wanted to build a church for people who were hurt by the church and didn't want anything to do with church anymore. That's who I wanted to reach with a church plan. And so in the spirit of that, one of the questions that I got asked on Instagram was, at what point should we abandon the word salvation because it's triggering for those who've experienced church harm? I'm going to read exactly what it was because I don't, I don't want to word it wrong. Um, at what point should we stop using that word because it's too triggering for some people? Clayton, some thoughts? First of all, I have to express a similar sentiment. Um, I will not say that that word is triggering for me, but as you and I talked about off air, that word makes me very uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable too. Um, It is a word that feels very exclusive um, and perpetuating a lot of the issues that the church has provided, um, of which... I like to relate to the Pharisees and the Gentiles. Um, oh, no, you haven't prayed this prayer? Nah, you're not one of us, bro. Um, oh, you don't believe in penal substitutionary atonement? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're not one, one of us, bro. Um, essentially saying, oh, you're not circumcised. You're not one of us. You don't believe the way I think you have to. Yeah. Um And so that word comes with a lot of weight. Um, So I want to validate this person in their question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I will say you stop using that word when it becomes an issue, when it becomes that thing for an individual. I think you have to base it on every individual person, of which meeting them where they're at. If somebody is wanting to have a conversation about salvation, you have that conversation about salvation. But if somebody's coming to you as like, yo, you know what? This whole idea that it's just this like a one and done thing, nah. Nah, fam. Nah. (laughs) Then you might approach that conversation differently. And you approach it as a journey to divine likeness rather than a conversation of spontaneous salvation, if I will. You know what I mean? This like moment in time where everything changes. This one specific moment. Which I do think exists, but I also think that the other exists too. I don't necessarily disagree with anything you said. Um, 
I think for me, first and foremost, I think the most important thing is to make sure that you have proper teaching around the word. Mm. That you don't continue to perpetuate triggering images of the word. Yeah. Um, and so that's number one. Second of all, I think the thing that I might say is I'm not I'm not sure that I'm comfortable abandoning the word. I don't think you should. I don't think I'm giving up the word. However, I'm more than happy to offer other metaphors. Yeah. Like which you suggested with divine likeness. Another one that I love is instead of using language of salvation, use language of healing. Mm. I use language of healing, of restoration, of redemption. You have yep. lots of other metaphors that you can use to communicate similar truths about the way in which God is actively participating in the fight against death. Yeah, and, and a way of saying this thing without saying this thing is one of our values to be restored. Right, we didn't want to use the language of salvation because it can be triggering. But using that same thing of restoring this place of humanity and God, right? That is salvation. That is being saved. Which is why it's also eschatological. What do you mean why it's also eschatological? Because it, that has not happened yet. That is to come. Yeah, that's the already not yet. It's, yeah. it's like, well, it is in some ways, right? Because I have been restored to God and that God lives in, in and dwells personal, within me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but not in a like culminative finality moment. That has not happened. That element of salvation, redemption, healing, restoration has not happened yet. But to to that question, I don't I don't think I want to abandon it. No, uh, I don't think I'm comfortable abandoning it. However, I'm more than comfortable of acknowledging the way in which it's been weaponized. Mm. I'm more than happy to acknowledge those triggers, and I'm also more than happy to use a myriad of other metaphors for divine healing outside of just salvation, because I do think. That's a very valid point. When I told you this off air, we both went, yeah, I'm not going to say it's triggering, but mm. I'm uncomfortable with that word. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable with that word because I remember being a teenage kid battling with myself. Am, am I, I saved? saved? Yes. Am I saved? Am Literally I living saved? in like divine fear yeah. of like whether or not I'm actually saved. It, it is so much of that like... Uh, what, what, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an oh, angry yeah. God thing like this. Oh my God, if I'm not saved, I'm going, I'm going to burn in hell. So let me pray this prayer real quick to ensure that I'm not going to this awful place for all eternity. It is the same qualm that I have with the church. And most of the times I have qualm. It's emotional manipulation. Absolutely it is. Um, and I, I'm i fixing to pick on something that I don't, like, I mean no, like, disrespect because I have perpetuated a lot of these same things. But, like, 
youth camps, bro. Oh my God. Um, I was a youth pastor for many years. I've taken a lot of students to youth camps and retreats. Um, it's some of the worst forms of emotional manipulation um, that I think I've ever seen. And it's so easy to get wrapped in. It is. Um, yeah, that. Um, <laughs> yeah. It is just so easy to buy into. Yeah. You can't do... For our context and who we are as a church and the type of people that we are reaching in a, and are, exist in our community, it would be wrong of us not to acknowledge the way in which the word salvation is triggering. Yeah. Um, and it's triggering because it's weaponized against emotional manipulation. Yeah. Now, does that mean that we have to give it up forever? No. But it does mean that we need a reclamation on what it means to be saved. Thanks for listening to the Pints and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.